When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Born on the Western Australian coast, Otis Eyewear is made in a range of styles to look good and last in Australian conditions. Scratch resistant, optically correct and eco-friendly. Otis Eyewear. Glass is beautiful. Visit otiseyewear.com. Friday focus time, thanks to Otis Eyewear, which is, I know is a brand very close to my guest's heart here. Nathan Fife, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, I'm going to just paint the picture of where we are. We're sitting on the sidelines here down at Coburn Arc, the Frio Dockers training ground. Grey clouds coming over, about to bucket down. Obviously, it's Wednesday. This runs Friday morning, so a fair bit can happen now and, and when this airs and, and more so the weekend when hopefully you return to the AFL. You've got through this main training session fine, mate? Yep, we trained today. Um, I was in all of the training, body felt good and pulled up really well from uh, the weekend's game at Waffle and if everything goes according to plan, I should be playing against the Hawks this Saturday. Must be excited. I am. I'm equally nervous though, which is your usual cocktail of emotions going into performance. This one's a little bit more geared towards... Um, excitement because it's just been so long since I've stepped back out in the purple jumper and into a team that is now um, playing a much more connected brand than the last time I played. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that. That's uh, an obvious one given where they're sitting on the, the ladder but you were saying just before we, we flick the switch here about that sort of natural awareness, football awareness of getting back into high level competition as opposed to you know, you spend hours on the sideline getting yourself fit again, but getting thrust back into the action. It, it, it still takes a bit, even after a couple hundred games. It does. It takes a long time. I call it routinising those patterns that what your eyes see and the information that comes in. Um, when you haven't trained around people for a long time, that information, you need to think about it a lot. You need to look at the different stimulus, the people around you. Um, it takes a lot of brain power to process. The more you train and expose yourself to different situations, get that confidence, uh, you don't have to use your brain, it just becomes subconscious, you mm-hmm. react instinctively. So I can still feel very much that I'm thinking my way through every situation and I get off after training or the game of the weekend completely fried. Um, but hopeful, five or six weeks down the track, I'm seeing it well and playing some good footy. Yeah, fried from the weekend, the big build-up before a waffle game and then the fans. And, and thanks from Ted, my 10-year-old. He somehow got a, a... I think it was about three-quarter time. Not at the end of the game he got the selfie with you. I love that, Ted. <laughs> he's, a, he's a go-getter. Um, but what about the fitness? I know in cricket terms you can do the biggest pre-season ever. You can do all the gym work, all the sprints, all the endurance. But the cricket fitness, you're still stiff and sore as after your first few games. It takes a while to get back into that rhythm. Is that as much about as the re-entry, just the speed of the game and your endurance and capabilities? Definitely. That match fitness, uh, which is sort of mental fitness as well as physical fitness. For us, it's contest, contest, and then spread. Uh, As a midfielder, um, that's the one that 
after two or three minutes of playing, you feel like your lungs are going to explode. Yeah. And we talk about it takes a while to get your feet and takes a while to get your lungs. And I felt in that game, in the second half, I started to feel a bit better and feel like I could work through that exhausted sensation that you get as an athlete. Um, but it's going to yeah, it's going to take a number of weeks to get that match fitness, and hopefully, uh, I can integrate in a role that allows me to complement the team at the same time as build my own fitness. That, it's at that exhaustion level the first time around where cricketers tend to stop, but you blokes just push on through it, <laughs> I've noticed, but, and do it, do it really well. The, the um, Peel game. Uh, Rumours, word going around about a broken finger or an injury, and I don't know if Peter Bell made an off-the-cuff comment about you got through fine but you had a broken finger, and maybe people thought that was referring to how many autographs you had to sign <laughs> and smiling uh, for the selfies, but... You've just showed me your hands and your fingers. What, tell me what happened in that game and just explain how your hands look worse than mine and I spent a lifetime trying to catch cricket balls. That's bizarre that that's the occurrence, but certainly my left hand, my ring finger and middle finger, I had operated on in the off-season. They were fingers that were both dislocating over the last couple of years and I was buddy strapping them up and I just found that um, I was losing my dexterity and touch. So we had them operated on in the off-season and... Um, 15 minutes into the first quarter against Peel, uh, the ring finger just popped back out, dislocated, and pretty much undid all the surgery. So oh. no big deal. I can just strap that by itself and um, have done for a couple of years. We'll look to do that for uh, the rest of this season and probably beyond because at 30 and having tried it twice now and it's still not working, I think we'll just have to go to um, some other way to keep it in place. That is extraordinary. 15 minutes into the comeback and it's just quietly popped out and popped back in and get on with it. Well, I had the shoulder and the back and yeah. some grumbly knees, so if anything was going to go, I was happy that that was the soldier to go down. Yeah, pretty minor compared to the other other stuff. Uh, the return, and I've listened with interest to the questions, many questions you've received, and, and, and how sensibly you've spoken about you'll slot in wherever is required and needed. The midfield's humming, there's no doubt about that, and you've acknowledged that. It might be up forward. What's the greatest challenge for you? I don't know, you started up front way back. Uh, what's the greatest challenge for you to go out there and try to impact the game in that position as opposed to the middle where you've dominated the competition along with others over the last 10 years? Yeah, I mean, this is a question that you probably are familiar with because you've stepped into really good sides that are humming mm. um, and you've got your own personal game that you want to... Um, you want to build and you want to be as impact, impactful as you can. And so for me at this point, uh, with a team that's sitting 9-3, playing some pretty good footy, with a midfield that the synergy has evolved so much since the last time I played in that side, um, I've genuinely got to be able to step in and um, find a spot where I can value add to the team, defensively and offensively, um, at the same time, I start to build back some of my strengths. So there will be a forward component. It's not like old school footy where you do a rotation in the middle and then you go and sit at full forward. Modern footy is much more connected to that um, and you transition in different spaces. There is a stoppage component. Um, there'll be a sort of held play component, a bit more technical, but um, my mix will be somewhere centre forward mostly, um, but it'll be a role that looks different this weekend to what it's going to look in eight weeks' time and then on the eve of final. So we'll evolve as the season goes on. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch it for everyone. Just fascinating to see how it, it, you phase back in. And again, you've acknowledged so much already how well this team and how much has changed since last time you ran out. Um, and even from your comment that the, the, the experiment up forward's done from the start of the year, <laughs> it, things have changed. It's evolved. Um, that midfield, how much 
have you influenced them or been able to support them and help them build and grow from the sideline, so to speak? I think probably the influence has come over the last couple of years in the impact that Dave Mundy and I have had on Caleb Sarong Andy Brayshaw, um, just in our role modelling, uh, educating them on the craft of midfield work, building their capacity to be able to play longer minutes uh, and become really elite players in the AFL, particularly Andy Brayshaw is having sort of a top five AFL player um, season this year. So our influence has been over the last couple of years, Joel Corey, Josh Carr, um, the work that they've done in setting up our midfield and the way that they play, that balance of offence and defence. Um, they deserve the big pats on the back for what you're seeing live, particularly with the introduction of Will Brody uh, and how he's sort of impacting in there with Lloyd Meek and Sean Darcy. So it's a mix. Um, but we're seeing with our team, it can be motley at times. We've got James Aish, who, who would know what his job description actually is because he plays all over the ground and he's starting to play some midfield minutes for us. Um, James uh, Blake Akers on a wing early in the year. Nathan O'Driscoll, we're finding guys to play system, but within that, they can bring their own strengths to life. So um, it's a good space to be a part of, and I'm hopeful that I can slot in um, and not upset the balance too much. Yeah, you even had a backman playing forward the other day, taking marks, kicking goals. Uh, again, uh, all I'm hearing you say is this team's fine. I, I respect what they've done, and I've just got to fit in. I want to be a part of it. You've done all the work. You, you're striving to get there. Were you in any way surprised or even agitated by the amount of conversation around you going and playing in the waffle? Some people saying, you don't do that to the Rolls-Royce. Some saying, oh, you don't. he's not going to lower his standards to waffle. Like, did that annoy you? No, not at all. Um, it was internal conversation started weeks ago about, oh, you'll have to come back through the twos in a joking, jovial type way. And I remember saying a number of years ago, the only time I'd play twos, joking, would be if we were humming and I genuinely had to earn my spot back. If that was the case, I'd be the happiest man in Western Australia. Um, and that's the circumstance that presented itself, is that we had a team with fitness, availability and form, which warranted that no reputation was going to get you into this team. Um, and as a senior player who's spent the last six years not playing finals, that was um, the, the most perfect um, uh, scenario to be able to step back into. So to be able to come through the waffle, genuinely integrate back in and not have any preferential treatment was... Um, is a great space to be in as a senior player. Love it, love it. Who wears the captain's armband? Z this weekend? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Uh, well, I'm probably have the training wheels on a little bit. <laughs> um, Alex Pierce, Dave. But I think that's the beauty of our leadership group at the moment is it's the bandwidth is, is great. It's not one-man show or two-man. It's whoever is required at the time. Um, I think Alex's record has been pretty decent, so we might stick with him. <laughs> yeah, he's been going all right, hasn't he? Um, I don't know, you probably wouldn't be up to speed with comments today. Sam Mitchell asked about the return of Nathan Fife, and he said something along the lines of, uh, look, they are, they've got a number of key players there now as opposed to maybe other times, and, and the focus won't be much on Fife at all. I would assume that's um, music to your ears, isn't it? Just it's to probably, sneak back in. Particularly from Mitch. Some, <laughs> There's a bit of history there. Some good history. Uh, but it's, it's accurate. I spoke to Andy Brayshaw today and I said, can't wait to come put a block on for you and your tag player. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's the headache you want to create for teams is uh, multiple heads on the dragon. Who do you go after? And we feel like we've got that at the moment. Talk about heads on a dragon. There's one uh, out in front leading this organisation at the moment from a coaching point of view. 
Justin Longmuir. What's his greatest attribute? I mean, or several. What are they? What's, what's he brought to the club in, in 50th game this weekend for him coaching? The ability for him to be able to see football sort of as an economical discussion. How does our offence, contest and defence all function as one? And what parts do you take from some to give to the others to make sure the balance is always optimised? I've never seen a person operate in the space that he does. Um, and after playing for 11 years, you feel like you know pretty much everything about the game. And for him to be able to come in and constantly be surprising me with what he is looking at and seeing compared to what I thought I was seeing, um, he's as good as I've ever seen in that capacity. So that, I'd say that would be his strength. And the other thing that he does really well in this environment is just empower those around him, coaches, um, leaders, staff, to be able to bring their strength to the table. And, and, um, and he does that really well too. Yeah, it seems like he's got complete respect. Outside observers want to see more in the the line that he threw out there a couple of weeks ago, getting ahead of yourselves. But um, it was just pretty straight up, isn't it? Matter of fact, let's just keep doing what we've been doing well. Pretty much. I mean, the internal dialogue is always different to the external. And you're always aware of the stakeholders that are listening to your messaging. Um, But internal, we've been... The cadence has been pretty good. We haven't seen too many signs of guys adjusting their standards or slipping off, if anything, with... We're doubling down because um, mm. it's it's giving us some pretty good results at the moment. So he, as a leader, and yourself as club captain, obviously were heavily involved in the decision to leave Michael Frederick out after his uh, mistake in the recent week. Um, what is that? Was that just a, a no-brainer, or was there a lot of discussion around? Was it a hard decision to make? Or was it just a rule that got broken? Pretty much, mate. I mean, it's never easy leaving one of your brothers out of your side, yeah. you know, particularly someone who's been so impactful for us this year. We've just seen him bring our fans into the game so well. Like, um, <laughs> But we have some standards that internally we um, we live by, and culture and trademark is the bedrock of an organisation. And unfortunately, a good person in Rick has just made a small mistake, and um, yeah, he'll pay his dues and be back in the team in no time. With that in mind, and what... We're seeing unfold over in Melbourne um, with their internal situation. Uh, to me, it's highlighted, and I think the biggest learnings that will come out of it are the, the strength of leadership at, say, at Melbourne and, and, and what's been on show here already on the reaction to that break of a team rule. It makes you realise how tough it is not just to win one premiership but multiple in a short space of time. Think of Hawthorne three in a row and the leadership of Clarkson when there was, I think, Luke Hodge admits that he got done DD or something and so that sort of sparked possibly the fractures and, and Richmond in 2020 had internal issues or separate issues but they narrowed in. It, a lot has to go so right for so long, doesn't it, to, to win one, let alone dominate. Yeah, you're right. Um, but the thing we try and remind everyone in the organisation is that we don't expect or want people to be perfect. And as someone who enjoys bending the rules as much as possible, we need guys to have their personality, have their moments, um, whether they are their own person outside of the rules of of club land. Um, But within that, there has to be some sort of boundaries uh, because we are all moving in the same direction, trying to achieve the same thing. And sometimes if someone steps out of it, there's an opportunity to educate um, bring everyone back into the fold um, and I've got no doubt at all that in this example that we've got here uh, the learning for the individual and Rick and the other guys around him just as a bit of a tighten up, that's all it is, just a bit of a tighten up um, will set us up for the back end of the year and sort of makes a really healthy 
statement about what we stand for. Um, but more than anything, when someone does slip up like this, we wrap our arms around them. They learn. Um, we move forward, and um, we should become a better organisation as a result. Yeah, like what your coach said this morning. He said, uh, if we walk past that now, it might. Well, if, if we don't punish it now, it might hurt us on the, the weekend, but if we walk past, it'll damage us longer term. You just mentioned as someone who likes to bend the rules or push the rules. Any, you want to elaborate on that, oh, on how you do that? Definitely not, mate. <laughs> someone who sees rules as suggestions. I uh, <laughs> generally try to optimise in whatever way I can. Just want to take you back through the, the rehab period, the, 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 the succession of setbacks leading in, culminating in the back. Was there a point where you thought, this is done? That's me finished. Uh, pretty close, mate, if I'm honest. I'm 30. Um, I'd lost nine kilos. My shoulder had failed, and I was told if it fails again, that's probably it. Um, I fought with as much intensity as I could to get myself back to a physical position where I could start the season. And in the most, probably the most intense training block I'd ever done. Um, I was pretty motivated at that stage through some other things that were going on. What was motivating you? Uh, well, there's a few things. Um, yeah. But I got back to the point where I put my hand up for selection and then my back blew out mm. and I couldn't jog 50 metres. Um, so I thought I'd climb my way out of physical hell and then uh, the universe just said, hang on, mate, back you go for another stint. And I missed 10 weeks to start the season. So, so then things changed. The lens changed on, okay, you can't just bash your way through this anymore. That's worked for you as a 22-year-old and 25-year-old and served you pretty well. But now... As an older athlete, as a leader in this organisation, it's um, you have to humbly accept the process a bit more and be wiser about how you go about things. So I'm contracted next year. At no stage did I think I was going to finish up. Uh, but the football mortality lens got brought right back closer and you start to enjoy the fact that you might be able to play one game and then two and then string a couple together and then we'll see after that. Now, you use the term football mortality, and that's what I had written down on my bit of paper here. Did it get you thinking about that? And and if it did, what do you see? What do you see post-footy? Uh, it did get me thinking, um, because like, team sport, your own individual purpose, where you are in the cycle of how well your team's going, those things all go into the mixing pot of motivation and what you're doing and coming to work and at the moment we're in a great great position but footy's a young man's game um, and I'm not getting any younger but in saying that I do watch Rafa Nadal win at 36 mm. with local anaesthetic in his foot and I look at that and I go yeah there's something about that that motivates me so um, post footy I've got a few things cooking away but it just changes so rapidly what I think I want to be doing um, that I can't answer that question now. What I do know is that I'm going to have to have a period where I completely disconnect from footy and from this ego structure that I've built around being an athlete in WA. I completely disconnect from that and to have a genuine chance at stepping away before I come back as something else and someone new. Yeah, sounds, sounds like you've given it a lot of thought, which is you're a sensible bloke and you know, you know you're closer to the end than the start, so it makes sense. That's certainly the way I remember uh, a career heading towards the end. Uh, you mentioned Rafa. He spoke this week about he just loves it. He's not motivated by the championships or the trophies. He just loves playing tennis on the best courts, on the biggest stages. That's what motivates him. Do you love playing footy? Uh, it's a little bit different because we don't get the international travel component. Uh, we do get cross-country travel, which can be taxing at times, but it is exciting. I love working with motivated people all trying to achieve the same thing. Uh, 
Um, and I love leading and nourishing and teaching people the lessons that I was taught by someone else. So that part of it really gets me out of bed. Um, I love being good at stuff. And I love feeling physically good, which is the part at the moment that is challenging when you go out to train. And Rafa talks about this as well. Is sometimes your body just doesn't let you do what you want it to do. Um, and that can, that can really wear on the enjoyment of what you're actually doing. So um, holistically, yeah, I still love what I'm doing. It's a no-brainer that I'll be playing footy this year, next year, and for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I see uh, post-footy, I see corporate business leadership courses there where you take groups overseas <laughs> into exotic locations so you get your travel experience and bug which you, uh, I know you love and uh, and can impart some wisdom on them and learn a bit yourself but uh, we'll see we'll see I think there'll be a fair bit of isolation post footy as well where I'll just be able to free spirit and, and be anonymous for a while yeah, there you go it might be a beach somewhere with good waves <laughs> just a couple more mate the the big show of rugby league is back in town in a few weeks state of origin is there any need for footy to revisit it and would you how would you feel lining up just to name a few alongside Cripps and Franklin if they did it well and got the best players and it was genuine state of origin then I'd love to be a part of it um I don't have a burning desire to play State of Origin, but if it was on and the best were involved, then get me involved. That's probably where I sit with that one. Yeah, because it's a discussion that comes up, but it never seems to really gain it's legs. It's too hard operationally because yeah. the risk is too high. And you say they do it in the rugby league, and maybe their case study does work. But for us, we invest so much in what we're doing, and anything that is a risk to that is basically shut down straight away. So. It just would seem hard unless you did it out of season and then there's no real appetite mm. for that. So it's a hard one. Yep. I'm not sure we're going to be there in uh, any short space of time. Right, a quick five to finish. Very Just one word is, mate. You open a restaurant, what's your signature dish? Carrot cake. Carrot cake? Mm. It's going to be like an afternoon tea, not restaurant. <laughs> Good coffee? Uh, no, tea. Be more tea. tea. Tea, right. Okay. What song pumps you up when you're feeling a bit flat? Claire de Lune by Flight Facilities. One thing that we don't know about you, which I didn't know about you, your wicket keeper's fingers, but... One thing you don't know about me. Yeah. That's a fair bit out there now. <laughs> it's not much kept secret these days, is it? Do you know I live with Giannis, up and coming full forward? I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm sure there's people out there that did. No, he lives with me now. He actually moved in the off-season with Neil Erasmus. Neil moved out, and Jai just... He's never left. How's he tracking? Pretty good, actually. He's not a bad housemate. Yeah. Mm. Injury's coming all right. He won't play again this year. Yeah, so it's a shame. We're isn't probably going to have to get a puppy to keep him entertained. <laughs> <I think. laughs> uh, what in society annoys you? Now, I know you're a deep, wide thinker of <laughs> of all things current affairs and uh, environment and and life outside of footy. This will be a controversial one. All right, far away. I spend a lot of time on the roads. Driver, truck yep. driver. Yep. Uh, but use the entire length of the merging lane before you merge. Before you come back in front of the car you're overtaking? No, when you're merging in. Oh, right. Okay. You're in the merging lane. Yep. Just drive to the end of the merging lane. Right. Don't go early. Okay. Is that from experience? You've been on the receiving end of some no, errant driving? I've just, just a decade of observation yep. in both car and truck. I was just saying a truck. <laughs> That's good advice, probably. Effective <laughs> way to use merging lanes is to drive to the end of it. 
I'll be interested to see what the feedback on that comment is. Sage advice. And last one, your greatest hidden talent. This is radio, buddy. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're not left Don't to leave too many blank spaces. Uh, everything, <laughs> there is nothing really no one doesn't know about me, so no, I've got nothing. Mate. I like the fact that you're prepared to think about the answer as opposed to a, a standard lot of people that just punch something out to fill the airspace. That's gold. Well, maybe that's that's me. I that's the talent. Listen more than I talk. And that's a fine attribute to have. Fifey, thank you so much for joining us uh, here on the Friday Focus. Uh, all the best with the return. Cannot wait to see you back out there firing. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for listening to In Focus with Adam Gilchrist, brought to you by Otis Eyewear. The world looks better through Otis Eyewear. See the range at otiseyewear.com. Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au now.